Chapter thirty eight of The Hall in the Grove by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Decided. I want you to take a ride on Chautauqua Lake. You will never find a smoother, brighter, more fascinating lake on which to ride. Still, I admit that it does not always or often present the appearance that it did on the evening in question. Simply a blaze of glory. It was the evening of the illuminated fleet the Mayville, the Shattuck, the Jamestown, and all those other boats whose names are so familiar to Chautauquans, were on the scene aglow with beauty. White lights, red lights, green lights, blue lights, how they danced and sparkled and glowed. All these wonderful lights, shimmering over the water, changed the lake into a sheet of crimson and gold, over which the boats glided silently, like fairy forms, keeping time to the most entrancing strains of music from various bands on board. The special occasion of all this magnificence was the reunion, or the Chautauqua alumni. There had been an enthusiastic meeting at the auditorium, addresses by Dr. Vincent and Professor Sherwin, and the irrepressible Frank Beard. There had been music by the Jubilees and the choir, with its several prominent soloists, including Effie Butler, who was really taking rank among the most prominent ones, and then as many as could get passage on the several boats marched down to the shore, and went gaily on, for the purpose of enjoying the illumination and the fireworks. The largest steamboat having been reserved for the use of the choir, was speedily filled with what must surely have been one of the merriest companies that ever trod its decks. Two of the party, soon after reaching the upper deck, secured seats that commanded a full view of the witchery going on around them, and enjoyed both the sight and their own conversation. I shall not undertake to tell you which interested them the most. "'I thought Dr. Vincent gave us one of his best efforts to-night,' the gentleman said, leaning forward to draw his companion's wrap more closely around her. "'Yes,' Caroline said, "'though as to that I have never heard him when I did not think the same.' Isn't it curious what an eager crowd he draws, though the people must have heard him on these grounds so often? Not as often as they would like. There is much grumbling because he is so cherry of his lectures here. I heard a man say last night that he would give a hundred dollars if he could hear him preach next Sabbath. I liked his talking so much about the Sabbath school idea, Caroline said. I know a great many people who are specially interested in that phase of the work here, and who are ready to fret a little over what they call outside issues. Which is just where they are mistaken, was Mr. Masters's energetic answer. One great fault in our Sabbath school teaching of the past has been that our teachers were not versed in these outside issues. In other words, hadn't general knowledge enough to illustrate their points. I don't at this moment recall a single lecture we have had here that could not be made of incalculable use to the average Sabbath school teacher. I was glad the doctor gave the importance of thorough general preparation such a prominent place in his address to-night. A man who would teach one thing well must know ten or twenty things. Though he may keep the nine or nineteen things in the background, they will give impetus and force to what he does impart. Do you remember that sentence? It is one of Dr. Vincent's pet ideas. "'Did you take a shorthand report of the lecture?' was Caroline's apparently irrelevant answer. "'Only snatches of it. It will appear verbatim in the Chautauqua Herald, you know. 
There were some sentences, however, so fine, that I could hardly help writing them. See that rocket! What a brilliant journey to take! I wonder how far this illumination shows. It ought to light the whole world. Chautauqua will soon reach as far as that. Do you remember that first examination of the normal class to which Dr. Vincent referred to-night? In the tent on the hill? Indeed I do. No original Chautauquan will ever forget it. Dear me, how warm it was! One of the worst days we had in August. I remember just how we roared when that brother called for the singing of the hymn, Come on, my partners, in distress. We had a merry time after all. I was fully five hours before I got through. Caroline, look at that boat with its blazing triangle. I wonder how they arranged the lights to produce that effect. Isn't this a perfect fairyland? said Caroline, with a sudden burst of enthusiasm. Then she went back to the meeting again. What do you suppose Dr. Vincent means about the tomorrow of Chautauqua? What can he do that has not already been done here? Mr. Masters laughed. I fancy it is as he says. He hardly knows what he means. But was there ever anything more finely expressed than the touch of explanation that he gave us to-night? I have that written out. Let me read it to you by this wonderful many-hued light. I have a fancy that the scene fits the wording. We have a Chautauqua of tomorrow. It lies along the edge of a golden horizon. As he read these words, Mr. Masters looked up and inclined his head with a meaning smile toward the eastern sky, lighted at the moment with a glory from the uprising of many-colored balls of fire, which threw off showers of brilliant sparks as they ascended. I see it rising up, shining in beauty. Far away extend its possibilities, and lo, its possibilities pass into certainties. Dream climbs on dream, and the climbing dreams are transformed to granite, and on the path there, formed up the cliffs, I see pilgrims marching, their faces heavenward, holy purposes animating their hearts, and the desire to live in this world for God's glory, and in the future to bring up those to God whom they have won by faithful service. I believe that is the finest passage in the address to-night, though I know by your eyes that you don't think so. Caroline laughed. It is grand, she said, but I linger over certain other sentences more. As for instance. Well, what he said about Chautauqua sanctifying science. It points to the sun and says, on the face of the sun, the Chautauqua student beholds the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't you remember that? You always get the colonel, was the quiet answer. Go on, what next? Oh, I don't know. There were a great many nexts. I liked that about the little fellow in the class, ragged, rough, uncouth, impertinent. You liked him? Ah, yes, you understand what I mean. Our diplomas will be worth something when they reflect lustres from such faces. I shall remember that sentence. I want such a diploma. So do I, he said with emphasis and then they hushed their talk, for the bands were playing the most exquisite trains of oft in the stilly night. "'I declare,' said Mr. Masters at last, breaking the stillness, "'I never saw so fine a display as this.' "'It sanctifies all legitimate things of life, and turns them to a holy purpose,' quoted Caroline, and Mr. Masters laughed, and said that she would not need a copy of the Assembly Herald.' She had evidently memorized that lecture. 
these two people enjoying themselves were either entirely unconscious of or indifferent to one of the boat's party who was standing near and observing them closely the truth is kent monteith occupied a good deal of his time during these days in watching one of the couple a very strange experience was this elegant young man passing through you will remember that it was because of what he called a whim of his father's that he first made caroline's acquaintance that he had continued that acquaintance had been at first the result of accident and then of a sort of good-natured curiosity he could not tell himself when and in truth he could not understand how it happened that his good-natured curiosity deepened into what to say the least was a very different feeling this is by no means what is known as a love story though i should really be very sorry to have to write the story of a life without love in it but it is not my intention to chronicle much of this sort of history still in order to explain certain things i shall have to tell you that kent monteith was passing through a singular struggle all his pride and he had a great deal of it rose up against his having more than a kindly passing interest in a girl without education not only but who earned her living in a way chosen usually by only the lowest in the social and mental scale that you will understand was his way of putting it not mine he chafed over the folly of it all he called himself a brainless simpleton and various other hard names as he tossed of nights on a pillow from which sleep had fled or took long lonely tramps through the woods yet the fact remained that he was more interested in caroline raynor than in any other person living on the evening in question he alternately paced the steamer's deck seeming to be one of the promenaders yet alone with his thoughts or leaned against the side in position to get a view of caroline he was going over again the problem which had troubled him during the last week he was astonished over the conclusion at which he almost arrived i shall live in florence in any event he half muttered his eyes fixed on the side face that was lighted up by the brilliant surroundings as well by the pleasure of the owner's thoughts i don't know why i should care what certain upstarts would say i am in a position to be above them if i choose for that matter who is going to know unless she or i tell it that she had any other than the most respectable position her style of face would do credit to any society hang me if i understand how she comes by such refinement of feature and manner they must be her legacy from some old german aristocrat royal blood in her veins possibly who knows that would account for a certain indescribable poise about her that is very marked i don't know why i should care really as for that sleepy old town of centerville i should like to give it a sensation that would last for a twelvemonth perhaps until i brought her back from abroad ablaze with jewels and all the rest of the gewgaws that make up the average woman how exceedingly well they would become her the style that she would affect she will always be exquisitely simple in her tastes and in that again she will show that curious high-bred air i wonder what she would say to venice she would be more interested though in rome curious how thoroughly conversant the girl is with the ancient city i should want to blush for almost any travelled scholar who undertook to talk with her about it how shall i like to take her to the sistine chapel 
then i'll have a picture taken of her just as she looks when she stands studying one of those old masterpieces you can see how this young man confused his tenses what he would do if blank seemed inextricably mixed in his mind with what he intended to do as soon as possible perhaps it may seem a strange thing to you that the young man who was at this moment talking so socially with caroline had never received from mr monteith a second thought he had inquired casually one day who that mr masters was who seemed to be everywhere and had been answered that he was a builder who had been associated with the improvements at chautauqua from the first a mere mechanic had this elegant aristocrat said within himself and thereafter dismissed the subject not that he really intended to be aristocratic in the disagreeable sense of the word but it had been a habit of his life and the education of his foreign experience by what curious process of reasoning he was sometimes able to think of caroline entirely apart from her surroundings and experiences of life i do not pretend to explain it cannot be said that the young man enjoyed the wonderful display of nature and art that was spread before him on lake and sky that evening indeed he hardly saw it at all while caroline and her friend constantly interrupted their conversation with such exclamations as oh see that rocket look at those wonderful colored balls of fire isn't the music exquisite how gorgeous the jamestown looks and the like he busy with his thoughts neither saw lights nor colors and heard no music save as it all mingled in a confused and rather distracting way in his perplexities for he saw perplexities in the way of his cherished wishes it was kent monteith's misfortune to have had few perplexities in his path hitherto almost no obstacles to overcome consequently he chafed under these as they presented themselves still he grew more and more fixed in his resolution to have his own way cost what it might presently the two one of whom was holding his attention espied him leaning against the railing of the boat and bowed and smiled then they discussed him for a moment that young man looks almost out of place in this gay scene lonely i mean said mr masters isn't he singularly without special friends i should expect so brilliant a man to be surrounded always by followers it is very hard to be friends with him caroline said quietly why he so constantly jars on one's sense of what is right from a christian standpoint i mean i know hasn't he rather dropped robert fenton quite dropped him caroline said her face taking an annoyed expression as she remembered the scene connected with the dropping that is an illustration of what i mean when i say it is hard to be friends with him then she told of the effort she had made to have robert shielded and the indifference he had manifested toward the boy it tried me she said to think that he cared so little for robert it was not friendship at all just the following up of a passing fancy mr monteith impresses me as though most of his friendships were no stronger than that and as though his professions of regard if he ever makes them might be professions merely what a lovely transparency on that boat see the motto in letters of fire oh how beautiful that is and thus caroline dropped kent monteith quite as easily as he had dropped robert fenton 
It was about that time that he turned from the deck and went downstairs into the saloon with resolute step, saying with firmly compressed lips and a look of decision on his handsome face, I shall certainly do it. End of chapter 38